thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. W. Smith people. Young men up on the hillside teaching new ways. Each word winning them over, each heart a candle flame. I'm moving my alcohol, people. Alcohol. <laughs> Old men watch from the outside, guarding their brain. Seven days a week anymore, just so you know, people. <laughs> Nobody knew his secret ambition. Nobody knew his claim to fame. He broke the old rules deep in tradition. He took a holy bell away. Questioning those in powerful positions. It's written in this book, people. No, the the secret ambition of God, people. It's the secret ambition. It wasn't very secret. Right. His rage shaking the temple. His word to the wise. His hand healing on the seventh day. His love wearing no disguise. I know. Don't you love these lyrics, people? Sure you do. Some say death to the radical is way out of line. Some say praise be a miracle. God sends a blessed sign, a blessed sign for troubled times. Yeah, he does. We got a sign in our yard today. Nobody knew his <laughs> secret ambition. Nobody knew. Mm-hmm. 
if they'd been checking the book, they would have known. Yeah, they would. But they'd All rather right. listen than look. There's actually more to this song, but I'm not going to play the whole thing. Well, they didn't really even listen either. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the whole crazy thing. We've been, especially Weekends in the Word, talking about that. that and he said over and over, and, it, and it's, it's still true today. You know, here in the Western culture, we read these things and, and look at it divorced from Judaism, you know, especially we who are mostly Gentile. And, you know, when you're familiar with the prophecies and the promises, the Old Testament, I mean, it was clear who he was. And, and he says, you know, if you don't believe my words, believe me for the work's sake. And, you know, he made it pretty clear. Yeah, he did. Who he was. <clears throat> In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. And the fullness of time in so many ways, because yep. Anyway, that's a that's a <laughs> that's a different show. But since you played the song, I, I love the lyrics in there. It's it's a great song lyrically. Michael W. Smith rocks. I mean, yeah. he's his his music like his older music. I think is way better than all his newer music. Yeah. Just that's just my you opinion. know questioning those in power for positions, positions running yep. to them to call his name. Yeah, steeped in tradition, and that's, that's... Can you guys hear me okay? Should I lift my microphone up? Okay, there we go. All right, people. So, yesterday that's I had... all y'all. I had a... I had an emotional show yesterday. Yeah, I did. I watched... I actually went back and watched it, and I'm like... <laughs> uh, sometimes I amaze myself with how vulnerable I am. Uh Okay, but you know what? Hey, that's okay. You guys ever heard the story about the Velveteen Rabbit? <laughs> or the Skin Horse? Have you ever heard that one? And who can tell me? Who can tell me? Actually, never mind. Most of you probably don't know. I will tell you. The Skin Horse... Okay, wait. First of all... Don't know what. The Velveteen Rabbit was a book written about this rabbit... By... Marjorie... Not the last name. You can do it. Come on. Marjorie somebody. Yep. <laughs> Did you just look it up? No, I didn't. Okay, what is it? I believe it's Williams. Okay, Marjorie Williams. I, th I was thinking that. Okay. I could but, be wrong, but that's the name that comes to mind. But do you know, some of you may or may not. Oh, okay. Anyway, put a one if you've ever read The Velveteen Rabbit, people. This is a classic therapy book, people. It's a children's book. It's about this kid who gets sick and his mom gives him a rabbit. Okay? Yeah, Mama Gina, of course. My, anyway, he, give, he gives him this rabbit and basically he rubs this, you know, the, the rabbit gets so tattered and old and stuff that it, it becomes real. It, it becomes real. Like, you know, I don't know how many of you, you know, have a stuffed animal, but you might talk to it. You might name it. You know, it, it becomes real to you, right? Like, this is Luke, superhero paramedic bear. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, and by the way, did you know you could take his clothes off? This is the this is the great thing. Yeah, just like all, look at this. You could take his, his jacket off. Wait, here, I'll show you. You ever wondered what the superhero paramedic bear looks like without his leather jacket? There. He looks kind of naked now, doesn't he? Just doesn't look right. Anyway, the point is... I gotta put his jacket back on. Um, <laughs> anyway, in the Velveteen Rabbit, the the moral of the story is that 
like when a child loves you, you know, to the point where you become real, it doesn't matter what you look like. And so the, um, and, and so the goal of all of us is to become real, just be real people, right? Just be real and transparent. And that's who we are. Yesterday I was real and transparent. I mean, I always am, but like yesterday I just have like this emotional meltdown <laughs> that I honestly didn't expect to have. I just, you know, just chalk it up to hormones and sentimentality, I guess. But, <clears throat> but Marjorie Williams, I guess. I don't think that's right. Yeah, it is. Is it? Okay. So there is a prequel to that book, though, The Velveteen Rabbit, in case you didn't know it. It's called The Skin Horse. And most people don't know that, that in The Skin Horse, uh, The Velveteen Rabbit is actually in that book. And The Skin Horse is a precursor to The Velveteen Rabbit book. Um, and, uh, and again, it's, 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 it kind of falls along the same lines as, as um, what are you doing? Well, just I'll just no ignore that side to, to that screen. The <laughs> yeah, there it is. The Velveteen Rabbit by Marjorie. Okay, yeah. So anyway, so The Skin Horse, though, was the prequel to The Velveteen Rabbit. And anyway, like I said, the point is that The Velveteen Rabbit is when you're real. And in that book in particular, you know, the rabbit gets, he's... I don't want to ruin the end for you, but basically he's thrown, he's ultimately thrown away and he turns into a real rabbit <sighs> because the kid was sick. And anyway, the mom had to get rid of all of the toys because they were infected with the disease that the little kid had, basically. <laughs> so yesterday I kind of felt like the Velveteen Rabbit, like I was real, you know, and more vulnerable than I thought. And, you know, it's interesting because I don't ever expect to wear my heart on my sleeve quite to that degree and sometimes you really don't realize how much something means to you until you start to give it away you know until you you give it up you know for um for a different thing and yet at the same time you know i i feel a lot of peace about the decision to go to three days a week i do i you know but there's this part of me it's like no I don't want to. I want to do this every day. But then there's another part of me that's like, no, I don't really want to do this every day. Uh, just, just for what it's worth, the um, mm -hmm. the internet is telling me that uh, Velveteen Rabbit was published in 1922, mm -hmm. and The Skin Horse was published in 1927. Really? Yeah. Okay, so then The Skin Horse is a book after that. Mm -hmm. Really? I thought it was before. Yeah, this little blurb here on goodreads says after the boy has outgrown his nursery toys some including the skin horse are sent to a children's hospital anyway but so. the skin horse wasn't that published first i could swear that no. was published first no originally published 1927 huh well then i sit corrected by my fact, fact checker, checker. Yeah. fake news people that's why you pay me the big bucks it's fake news to be your well, I admit it. Well, they might have all the same source, but <laughs> I'm looking at several sources that report 1922 as a publication really? date for well, I Velveteen actually... Rabbit when she was Marjorie Williams was only 40. Wow. I well, I have one. a copy of uh, I actually have a copy of that book, The Skin Horse. It's a rare book to get, and I actually have a copy. I don't know. If, not, watch somebody go to Amazon, see if you can buy it on Amazon. Um, I think I found it. I didn't it. see it on Amazon. Yeah, I think I found it at a school or a library giveaway or something. I don't know. I believe I have a copy of it somewhere, though. 
I hope it wasn't or one of the ones not that came under, away. Not under the author's name. Anyway. Oh, it is there. So last night, there was a massive storm in our area, people. Yeah, there was. It was a loud storm. It was noisy. It was like pounding our house like you know like sheets of rain people in california think it rains when it rains hard i'm like no you guys have no clue what rain is until you move to tennessee where it comes down in sheets of water (laughs) and practically every randall and i went to a networking meeting this morning practically everybody i met said i said were you guys awake at three o'clock they're like yeah i was because what time it was i didn't know what time it was yeah it was about three o'clock you i mean it was the the rain was it was the these winds these winds that kept yeah, hitting really the house bad. like a load of bricks or something it was like they like actually wind would just like collide with the house and boom shake it. So I get up this morning and I you know go down I feed the animals and sit on the couch I look out the window to feed watch my birds because I love watching the birds in the morning everything i don't see anything unusual randall and i we go and we open the door and and step outside our front door and our 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 tree and our front yard is was broken yeah it it got hit and it fell in our yard about that far from our house (laughs) actually more probably more like i don't know four feet from our house it's not that far (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from our house ah uh, yeah so me and bareface were like well that sucks because you know what that means right it means we got to pay to get that thing taken away <sighs> well i had another thought yeah rather than trying to sell this firewood in this currently saturated market it could be free firewood they just have to come and cut it up themselves take it away so, like, cut the whole tree up? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen for most people. No. No. But I, I admire your entrepreneurial spirit. If anybody out there needs firewood, we've got a yard full of it. You just have to cut it yourself <laughs> and haul it away. <laughs> the, the guy I hired to cut down the rest of the tree because half of it fell. <laughs> if you want to see it, just go to my Instagram on Bible News Radio. I did a whole video of it. The other half is precariously it's uh, it's up it's about ready to fall in fact one tree guy came he's like you don't want to stand over there because that could fall any minute (laughs) and when it does if it falls this way it's going to go in the street and block traffic uh so the guy's going to try to cut it so it falls into our yard which then will be covered in tree we will not have a front yard because it's that big and the the funny thing is a bradford pear so the thing is, is that Bradford pear tree, it looks small in comparison, but when, but when it comes down, it, it is, stand, I'm 5'4", it's, the tree is, it's hot, it's taller than me, just so you know, that's, that's how, and that's with the Way. thin part of it, if once the other part comes down, it's going to be like probably twice my height easy, so, yeah. <sighs> you mean it's, it's horizontal height when it's laying on the ground yeah the 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 boughs and branches laying on the ground are taller than you are yeah i think that's what you're saying Mm -hmm. because yeah the tree is definitely taller than you it's taller than i am it's it's a good uh well here's the thing so the the tree people in tennessee are all out to be close to 
They're out in mass. They actually said 30 feet tall. They said in our area about 30 trees fell down. Mm-hmm. That tells you. That tells you some. 30 trees is quite a few trees. Actually, and, and power lines. And... Power lines. People are without power. Thank God we we have power. And as the storm started last night, there was a gas leak in a neighborhood. And yep. the We've had one of those are out there. And it's like, hats off to those people who had to repair a gas leak as these sheets of water were coming down. Yep. So this is Homosexual Unofficial Pride Month, in case you didn't know that, people. <laughs> and so uh, today I, re- I originally had a guest booked and then I, I canceled the guest because... Um, I just, I changed my mind, to be honest, I did. And so, but today, you know, and it's probably a good thing because I'm just, I'm not in the space right now to interview somebody, but the title of our show comes from an article over on msn.com, which was over on the Drudge Report. And the name of the article is titled, A Gay First Lady? Yes, we've already had one, and here are her love letters. Now, I know some smart aleck came in earlier in our chat room and said, yes, Melania Trump is a lesbian. We already know that. <laughs> Clearly a Democrat who said that. Um, somebody who hates Trump, blah, blah, whatever. Somebody hates Trump? <laughs> I know, right? Anyway, so I thought we shall indulge in the propaganda we're about to read, people. And, well, you could see if you believe it or not. Uh, I find it interesting, to say the very least. Okay, so let's read it, people. Okay, so there's the photographs. Photography. Left is Evangeline Simpson Whipple, circa 1890 to 1896. And uh, on the right is Rose Cleveland, which was Grover Cleveland's wife, approximately 1893. So there they are right there here. Uh, <laughs> Sean says, I love Trump not to be president. <laughs> well, me and you are close to the same page. I don't know. I'm torn. I'm, I'm torn. But anyway, let's talk about this first. Okay. In the summer of 1910, Evangeline Simpson Whipple told the caretaker of her home not to move anything in her absence. The wealthy widow was going on a trip, but would be back soon, she said. She never returned. When she died in 1930, she was buried at her... Wi- at her request in Italy, next to the love of her life, a woman with whom she had a relationship that spanned nearly 30 years. That woman, Rose Cleveland, had served as first lady. The letters preserved by the caretaker at Evangeline's Minnesota home are collected in a new book called Precious and Adored, The Love Letters of Rose Cleveland and Evangeline Simpson Whipple, and make clear that they were more than just friends according to its editors, which of course we can you know, we know the editors aren't biased or anything, you know, just so you know. But anyway, <clears throat> when Grover Cleveland took office in 1885, he was a 50-year-old bachelor, a fact that almost derailed his campaign when rumors spread that he had fathered a child out of wedlock, which he, apparently he had. Protocol for unmarried or widowed presidents called for a female relative to fill the role of first lady and stepped his sister Rose. I guess it wasn't his wife. She was seen as an important counterbalance to her brother's scandalous baggage. She was respectable, well-educated, a former teacher at a women's seminary, and the author of serious books. Hmm. As opposed to non-serious books. As opposed to books that were not serious at all. As opposed to comic books, people. As opposed to 
chiclet and other fun stuff that isn't serious. She was an author of serious books. I just think that's funny the way that that was written. What's that supposed to mean? What's serious? How do you define that? We can look it up later if we want. Her term as first lady, however, was a mixed bag, according to the National First Lady's Library. Her book of essays, George Eliot's Poetry, became a bestseller based on her fame, but she was frustrated with public scrutiny of her necklines and a ban on her going to private dinners or public markets. Fourteen months in, Rose was relieved of her duties when the president married his 21-year-old ward, Francis Folsom. Wow, what a pervert, man. So this guy was in his 50s and he married a 21-year-old. I mean, think about that, people. That's disgusting, in my opinion. But whatever. Who am I to judge? Love is love, after all. Rose returned to her family estate, named, uh, nicknamed The Weeds, in upstate New York. Rose met Evangeline Simpson in the winter of 1889 and 1890, less than a year after her brother left office for the first time. Cleveland is the only two-term president not to have served his terms consecutively. Yep. They probably met in Florida where both spent the, re- the season making the rounds among the nation's wealthier families. Rose was 43 and never married. Evangeline was probably 33 and had inherited a fortune from a late husband nearly five decades her senior. So, wow, 50 well, years older. That's disgusting. No wonder they turned to each other. I mean, seriously. <sighs> well, anyway, the love letters begin... 50 years. Wow, yeah, older. The love letters begin in April... 1890, once the two returned to their respective homes, Evangeline lived in Massachusetts. Okay. Rose writes, my Eve, ah, how I love you. It paralyzes me. Oh, Eve, Eve, surely you cannot realize what you are to me, what you must be. Yes, I dare it now. I will not longer fear to claim you. You are mine by every sign in earth and heaven. (laughs) What signs in heaven? (laughs) <laughs> by every sign and soul and spirit and body, and you cannot escape me. You must bear me all the way, Eve. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, then in May, you are mine, and I am yours, and we are one. Our lives are one. Henceforth, please, God, who can alone separate us? I am bold to say this, to pray and to live to it. Am I too bold, Eve? Tell me. I shall go to bed, Eve, with your letters under my pillow. Because only Rose's letters survive, we know little of how Evangeline responded, but on a few occasions, Rose quotes Evangeline's letters in her own. Oh, darling, come to me this night. My cleavy, my Viking, my everything. Come, God bless thee. Rose flirtatiously, I can't even say the word, replied, your Viking kisses you. Okay, yeah. Rose struggled to name their relationship. I cannot find the words to talk about it. The right word will not be spoken. Indeed, there was not a word for same-sex relationship between women at the time. The word lesbian existed, but only in reference to the Greek poet Sappho. Which is true, actually. In case you didn't know, that's where that came from. This was before there was a concept of sexual orientation the way that we know it today, said Lizzie Aaron Halt, co-editor of the book. I wonder if she's a lesbian. Just curious. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Uh, That was really being invented right at the time. They were writing letters in the 1890s because that's when sexology as a field gets going. The concept of romantic friendship was popular among women of the day, which were emotionally and intellectually 
intimate friendships, though not necessarily sexual, Aaron Holt said. That created a sort of bubble of freedom for women, particularly wealthy white women, to have more or less open relationships with each other. Like, open relationships? What? Rose and Evangeline's relationship was undoubtedly sexual in addition to... Undoubtedly. The, in well, addition... We, we have a few letters from one of the parties to prove it. Hey, don't you know that that's circumstantial evidence and in a court of law that that would be admitted? Hmm? Don't you? Maybe admitted, but not conclusive. Rose and Evangeline's relationship was undoubtedly sexual in addition to loving and intimate. Aaron Holt said, one letter describes long rapturous embraces that carry us both in one to the summit of joy and the end of search, the goal of love. Okay, well, all right, well then. Rose and Evangeline would beg each other for extended visits to the other's estate. They gave, they gave each other pet names, Cleavy and Wingy. And that somewhat awkward granny and grandchilly, which... And grandchild. Grandchild, okay. Which seems to have been an insider joke about their 10-year age difference. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, who was well, the predator there, huh? Evangeline, you know, marrying the guy that's nearly 50 years older. You True. Know. So, something about her issues. Well, but back in the 1890s, that was probably a arranged marriage, though. 50 years yeah that's true marry your grandfather <sighs> they vacationed together in Europe in the Middle East mm-hmm yep and they bought property together in Florida of course that was Florida <laughs> they didn't hide their relationship from family and it appears to have been accepted Rose even wrote to Evan Evangeline's mother about her love for her daughter it carried on this way for six years and then betrayal bum 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 <laughs> In 1896, Evangeline shocked her friends and family when she announced she was engaged to Bishop Harry Whipple, a popular Episcopal preacher from Minnesota who was 34 years her senior. Man. There is every indication she had real feelings for the bishop. She wrote of her affection for him in her diary. She didn't need the money the marriage would bring. And at 40 in the 19th century, she was probably past childbearing age. Rose did not respond well to the news of the engagement. She begged Evangeline to reconsider writing. Wait, maybe I should do a voice for this. I do not think you need me now, but I plead that you will consider what I said this morning. No, I can't do it. I just can't do it. I can't do it with a straight face, people. I can't. Anyway, I will give up all to you if you will try once more to be satisfied with me. Could you not take six months for that experiment? <laughs> we would go away from everyone. Is that wrong to, like, mock old dead people? I mean, is that a bad thing? To dishonor them, yeah. Evangeline married the bishop on October 22nd, 1896. Three weeks later, Rose sailed for Europe with a female friend. The extent of their relationship is unclear. She would not return for three years. (laughs) Yeah, you need background music. (laughs) Uh, Rose continued writing letters to Evangeline, but the intimacy fades into little more than travel logs. She stops calling Evangeline Granny instead of Grand Chili, or whatever that is. She signs her letters with the more formal... R.E.C. Rose Elizabeth Cleveland. Bishop Whipple died at his home in Minnesota on September 16, 1901, soon after Rose's letter addressed to Granny resumed. Over the next nine years, Rose and Evangeline's letters took on a new character away from the wild, sometimes obsessive passion of early love and toward a steady tenderness. Evangeline continued to live in Minnesota, but the extended stays at each other's homes resumed. 
By 1909, Rose was in her mid-60s and getting a little tired of the back-and-forth arrangement. I need you, and life is not long enough to always wait, she told Evangeline. The next year, Evangeline's brother became seriously ill, as opposed to non-seriously ill. While living in Italy, she and Rose rushed to his side, sharing a cabin on the ship across the Atlantic. Even after his death two years later, Rose and Evangeline continued living together, finally as true partners in the Tuscan village of Bagni di Luca. I don't know if I said that right, but whatever. I do think they associated with Italy a kind of romantic idea of freedom to love, freedom to have a relationship without people getting in your business. When World War I started in 1914, Rose and Evangeline not only stayed in this place, but they also organized and funded relief efforts, particularly for refugees who flooded into Tuscany in 1917. Then the Spanish flu pandemic struck. While tending to a sick friend, Rose caught the virus. She died on November 22nd, 1918 at age 72. Evangeline wrote to Bishop Whipple's, Whipple's daughter, I keep thinking of the Charmin commercial when I read Whipple, you know. Yeah. I know. I don't know what it is, Mr. Whipple. and the, Yeah, anyway. Of her devastation, the light has gone out for me. The loss of this noble and great soul is the blow that I shall not recover from. Evangeline lived for 12 more years. She wrote a book about Tuscany and dedicated it to Rose. She died of pneumonia and kidney failure in London in 1930. And it looks like they're buried side by side, according to the picture there i don't have the picture up but it says in 1969 a descendant of bishop whipples donated a collection of family papers to the minnesota historical society it is doubtful she knew the full contents of the boxes she gave away when the staff discovered the love letters a memo warned that some of the letters strongly suggest that a lesbian relationship existed between the two women and should be hidden from the public the ban was lifted following complaints in 1978. Historians have mentioned the letters over the years, but a complete collection of the letters had never been published until Aaron Halt and Tilly Lasky's book. There have been women loving other women for all periods of history. So there you go. Well, that makes it right then. <sighs> no, it doesn't. It is interesting, though. It is interesting because the friendships of women are complicated they are <laughs> that is an understatement i know so you know but but i find this suspect i just do you know the scandal of it all because at the same time because technically if you want to be technical about this they weren't lesbians they were bisexual technically if you want to be technical about it because they were with men before right so would that mean they were bisexual not lesbians or at least Evangeline was was because yeah. she was widowed and then later married the uh, guy that was only 35 years her senior instead of the nearly 50 of her first husband. Well, honestly, I can understand why a woman would want to be with a woman if they had to deal with a old geezer type person. Blech. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying I can understand it. And yet, in modern days, you see people like, you know, the the young women who go after the old 105-year-old people who have millions of dollars, and they get married to them, you know. And of course, we all look down on it because it's, you know, not good. But who are we to judge people? I mean, seriously, <laughs> who are we to judge? <laughs> 
<laughs> so what do you guys think? Do you think this is a valid story? Do you think that they were lesbians? Do you think this was brought out during June on purpose? You know, do you? <laughs> you know, the other thing that's interesting to me about this is that they had a uh, seminary, um, you know, uh, <laughs> a seminary background and wrote serious stuff. So that says a lot right there, you know. So Sean, he said, my brother says he's a lesbian. He likes women. There you go. Right there. But you know, the friendships of women are very different. You know, like me and, uh, what's her name? Julia. <laughs> the other day, you know, we were talking, you know, about friend the friendships of women in particular. And I can tell you as a woman having numerous relationships with women, um, I... You know, there is a sisterly type love between women that you can have that that's not romantic. You know, it's because, it's you know, women are nurturers. You know, we love each other. You know, I can hug a woman and not there'd be nothing there, you know, except genuine affection. Just, you know, heterosexual, normal affection. Um, but, yeah, anyway. Bareface all of a sudden got quiet. Yeah, I did. <laughs> okay, well. I was just looking at a related story, sad story. Yeah. Do you yeah. want to share it with us? And no, I don't. Depress all of us now? No, I do not. Don't gotcha. want to depress anybody. Well, we do want to say that this is uh, brought to you in part by Ariel Ministries. This, this program is. Which part? Well, in part by. This show is brought to you in part by. Ariel Ministries. <laughs> uh, if you haven't been to Camp Shoshana, hey, you're missing out, people. It would be a great thing if you went. And you can learn more by going to CampShoshana.com. Yeah, you can. In fact, you can go there or you can go directly to the Ariel.org website and you can learn more. Click through to Camp Shoshana and or use the coupon code Bible News. Save 20%, people. Yep, save 20%. Yep, it's out of your pay grade. Yeah, it's probably... Unless you you have some money and you're retired or something, most people are not going to be able to go. But if you can, and you know somebody like that, you might want to send them. Because it would be awesome to do it. <sighs> it's like summer camp for adults. Actually, I think they also do kids there, too. I yeah. think they do have a kids it's, thing. It's a family affair. It's a family. That was an interesting show, by the way. Mm. Family affair. Okay, what else? Oh, yes, Pillars of the Community. Thank you all for donating to the show. Just want to say thank you from the very bottom of my heart. <laughs> I heard somebody say once, heart of my bottom, and I that, did not want to say that. Just saying. From the bottom of my heart for donating to the show, it really helps. I mean, uh, yeah, as you know, sometimes trees fall in your yard. Now you need to, you have another expense you didn't expect. <laughs> yeah. Uh I'm not happy about that, honestly, people. I'm not. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's not good. But anyway, you guys who donate, thank you. I hope you continue donating when we go to three days a week because um, it will still be needed. Um, and we appreciate it. In fact, I got a donation this morning from somebody in Australia. So, Beth, thank you for sending me that uh, donation as well. Um, you know, it's funny. It's like God touches my heart 
when people in other countries donate to us. I mean, I've had one donation from Finland, one from Sweden, and now one from Australia. I think I had one other one from Australia before too. But yeah, I mean, how cool is that? I'm in Tennessee and people in other countries have given a little money to this show. And so that tells me that there's a need and an appreciation and that touches me, touches my heart. And I guess, you know, when people give to larger ministries, you know, it's no big deal. They might write out $20 and donate it and whatever. They don't, they don't have a, a personal connection with the host because it's a big ministry. Here, I have a personal connection with everybody that donates because I always thank everybody that donates, whether by a phone call or email or whatever. Uh, so, <clears throat> so it is a cool a very humbling thing to me uh, to be on the receiving end of that. So I uh, just want to say thank you for that. And, you know, if you want to donate more, feel free. <laughs> we would you know, appreciate anything you want to give us. You know, Camp Shoshana is, is less than staying at a hotel. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you stayed well, in Well, nice... and they, they, do have, they do have scholarships, too. Yeah, I mean... So... Uh... I mean, one week on the high side is seven hundred dollars. That gives you a bunk room with a bed, AC, and a bathroom. But it's not just staying there. It's not just lodging. It's meals, meals, and and most importantly, it's it's a week of yeah. It's a it's a week of training. And uh, week one uh, is on Joshua and De Deuteronomy. Just so you know, yeah. And, There's a but, lot of great stuff there, you guys. I mean, yeah. it's going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be great. So, I guess I could have put that up as a thing, maybe. Yeah. So I wanted to share Legal Shield, though, because oh. over the weekend, or earlier this week, I wanted to share something with you very interesting, and I think it's important to share with you. That way you guys know. Uh, let's see here. I'm trying to find it. What I was looking for, my internet... Is super slow at the moment. Okay, there we go. Um, <laughs> uh, there it is. Okay, so on Monday night, um, there is uh, Ladies of Justice training for Associates of Legal Shield. And this past Monday, Carrie Norris, K-E-R-I, Carrie Nor Norris, uh, who is a corporate attorney with Legal Shield, um, actually came and she spoke to us women who were on the call and the, you know, we're associates. So this wasn't a, this wasn't a call for the public. It was a training call for associates like me and some of you out there. Um, and if you missed it, Gina, Melanie, if you guys happen to miss that, then, you know, there, it is posted in the ladies of justice group for us. But one of the things that she talked about was how, um, legal shield has fine, you know, a couple of, one of the things she's been working with in the last 18 months is getting Legal Shield deregulated in numerous states. She's the one that's been kind of leading the charge for that, which means that um, insurance, you don't have to have a license to sell it. So like in Tennessee, you do. You have to have a license to sell Legal Shield because it's insurance. Well, uh, one of the things that she was mentioning to us was that there are numerous um, attorney generals who are attorneys with Legal Shield, and I just want to share that because you know a lot of people think, well, well, I've had a couple of people who don't understand Legal Shield and the, the attorneys. The attorneys with Legal Shield, on average, have about twenty years' experience. 
Uh, they've been with the law firms. Uh, there are many attorney generals who actually endorse Legal Shield and are referred attorneys in Legal Shield. So uh, Darnell Self, who is the Legal Shield Executive Vice President, uh, Carrie mentioned that Darnell was going to be speaking to the Western Attorneys General on direct selling a couple days later. Well, Darnell Self is a very committed believer uh, in, in Jesus. He actually started his Legal Shield business over 20 years ago. I believe he was actually living out of his car. Um, don't quote me on that, but I know it was something close to that. And him and his wife, Tracy, anyway, ended up working their way through the ranks. And eventually, you know, now he is the executive VP. Okay. He has opened up orphanages in uh, Africa, I think in some other places. Um, he's got a real heart for ministry. He's a really great guy, actually. Um, I invited him on our show. He actually accepted my invite to come on. He's hard to nail down, though, because, of course, he's one of the top guys at Legal Shield. But he's a committed believer. So there was a uh, attorney general's convention that he spoke at. I just wanted to read you um, part of what's going on, just to give you guys a little bit of an insider's view at, at who the attorneys are and what they're actually really trying to do and represent for you. So Business Wire... Uh, put out this this uh, a press release titled uh, Legal Shield Executive Vice President Darnell Self Speaks at Conference of Western Attorneys General on Direct Selling. It says here, Legal Shield, the leading provider of affordable legal plans and the Identity Shield Identity Theft Solution for Individuals, Families, and Small Businesses, announced that Executive VP of Network and Business Development Darnell Self spoke this week at the 2019 annual meeting of the Conference of Western Attorneys General also known as CWAG. <laughs> I thought that was cute. The meeting is being held at the uh, the Ritz-Carlton in Santa Barbara, California, June 17th through the 20th. Self, who is also CEO of Self-Defined Incorporated, spoke on the regulatory efforts and environments in direct sales and e-commerce panel moderated by the Arkansas Attorney General. He was joined by Nathan Blake, Deputy Attorney General of Iowa, Peter Marinello, VP of National Council of Better Business Bureau, and Dave Merriman, Executive Vice President of ACN, Inc. The panel discussed the more than 18 million Americans who are entrepreneurs in the direct selling arena and the industry's new self-regulatory program and the need for governmental oversight. Um, Darnell Self, who has more than 300,000 independent sales associates on his team in Legal Shield, which, by the way, if you're on my team, you're on his team. By the way, we're on his team, team people. Team New Vision, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> discussed, discussed, discussed direct sales and its impact on entrepreneurs. I love the direct selling industry and that allows entrepreneurs who are willing to work to achieve big and small dreams self-stated. It's important to talk about the failures of people who have tried direct sales. It gives people authenticity and helps them see the success in direct sales requires some effort. When asked what could help the industry, uh, Self mentioned two things. First, you must have a real product. Companies with real products empower people to become entrepreneurs. Legal Shield offers legal and identity protection subscription services and provides access to justice and protection for a low monthly fee. Our mission is to ensure that the ideal of justice for all 
is a reality for the many, not just the privileged few. Legal Shield bridges the gap for millions of people to protect themselves and their families. Second, Self added that regulators should look at the gold standard companies to see what executives and field leaders are doing. The industry should use a gold standard company to teach other businesses how to get ahead of problems with products and advertising. Legal Shield is MLM perfected. That's multi-level marketing, which isn't a bad thing, just so you know. Uh, offering real products to support a viable business opportunity. If more companies conducted business like Legal Shield, they would focus on training, coaching, and educating. Then the industry would be self-regulating. The Conference of Western Attorneys General is a bipartisan group whose primary function is to provide a forum for chief legal officers of member states and jurisdictions to cultivate knowledge, cooperate on concerns, and coordinate actions that improve the quality of legal services. So I just share that. I know it maybe was boring to some of you, but I share that. I wanted to share this because I think it's important that you understand that Legal Shield is not a fly by night company. And we have a lot of powerful attorneys and very godly people who promote the product and services that we we have. I actually called Legal Shield today about the tree in my yard, and I called ID Shield about something I saw on my credit report that I had no idea was there. Um, and normally, I wouldn't have. I would if I didn't have this membership, I wouldn't have done it. And I got help on both cases. I was like, oh, okay, well, now I know. I had no idea, um, you know, and all that. So, those of you who are members, utilize your membership. Use it. Don't forget your member perks. Okay. Check your member perks too. Those of you who aren't members yet, if you can afford the 25 bucks a month for Legal Shield, it's highly worth it just to get your, uh, you know, your will done. And identity theft insurance, I would not be without it. Nope. I just wouldn't, not in today's day and age. So uh, again, you contact me if you want to sign up or if you're in one of my provider, my downline states, and you'd rather sign up with one of them, feel free to contact them. Melanie sells it in Pennsylvania. Gina sells it in Arkansas. And there's a couple other people I have in different states that sell it. I have somebody in California that sells it. Uh, if you don't want to get it from me directly, you can get it from one of my associates. Okay, just so you know. I do like that line he had in there about Legal Shield is MLM perfected, mm -hmm. offering real products to support a viable business opportunity. Yep. You know, people hear MLM and they go, oh, you know, you know, a yeah. cult, you know, it's just a pyramid scheme, whatever. Um, if anybody out there has health insurance, you know, they may have uh, auto insurance. Probably people have a car, have auto insurance. Maybe they even have, uh, you know, homeowner's insurance. Guess what? You're putting money into an MLM. It is. It's multi-levels. They have their upline, and, and when you pay your premiums on your auto insurance, on your health insurance, it makes its way up, you know, through this agency and for this over whatever. And, you know, the money gets passed up the up the line just like uh, it's similar structure. And, and like you said, it's perfected because it's offering real products. There are those ones that have given uh, direct sales organizations or MLM a bad name because it's it's, not, it's, it's, it's not about a product. It's, Amway. It's, it's about, yeah. Amway is the one. I mean, Amway is the biggest one. I will call Amway out because I've had some oh. two very weird conversations with, 
with Amway representatives in the last couple of months who I connected with on Shaper. And it's usually, yeah, it is, and, it's and, usually. And they're, just, they're just being underhanded, clandestine. And I'm like, why don't you spit out what it is you sell? Oh, it's Amway. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that well, explains it. How, what if I could show you how to pay your, buy you buy, buy products from yourself? And then it, yeah, it's, it's, it's never about the products. It's about the money and getting the lifestyle, making it's. Yeah, and there's a few others out there. It's it's not about the product. The product is incidental to how I'm going to make you rich. Yeah. Well, mm. with Legal Shield though, our product is the service, which far exactly. outweighs anything. Cost. Yeah, and we don't have to buy. This is why I love it, and I know this is why my associates love it, is because you don't have to buy a product every month. The only thing that you have to buy if you're an associate is you pay for your mobile app, which is your marketing. It's your marketing suite. You need a marketing suite, and you cannot run a business for twenty dollars on anything else. Just saying. And um, yeah. Anyway, uh, you know it's funny because I, I am um, actually uh, talked to, and I said the word actually. Yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> Amway is actually a good comp company with good products, even if they have weird people. Yeah, I know. And and I actually ha I actually have friends that sell Amway, so that's. It's not the point. The point is, is why they just like the two Amway people that I connected with on Shaper, this mobile app that's a thing. They were like, well, yeah, we have this mentoring thing and that's really what it's about and blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, well, I have a master's in clinical psychology. I kind of get personal development and stuff. How would that fit with me? I, I'm not, you know, I am a counselor, so I don't, <laughs> you know, my best friend's a psychologist. Just saying, I don't really know. <laughs> You know how that it's like why don't you just say you're with Amway but with Legal Shield you're selling a service and every single day I every morning at 7 a.m. I'm on a phone call with Legal Shield associates all over the country and every single day I hear stories from these other reps who who share how this company has helped somebody you know in their life so it's like you know and somebody made a, a statement and Kelly uh, Kelly Vicki Fitch has made this statement numerous times. You guys, most of you know Vicki. And, and actually one of the guys on my call who's been in the business 20 years, he actually said this too. I thought he listens to Vicki. <laughs> but apparently it's the same thing. He said, if I was offering this service and it was a nonprofit and we didn't get make any money whatsoever from it, would you be more apt to talk about it? And he said most people would because there's this stigma that if you're actually getting paid for something that, you, you know, you can't really talk about it and blah, blah, blah. And yet, where else does that work in the world? You go to your regular job and get paid for your job. Don't you? I hope so. <laughs> I hope you go and get paid. So why do people get all bent out of shape? I mean, I never had a problem buying Avon when I bought it from my friends or my mom when she sold it. I'm just like... You know, okay, you're giving me a product. Oh, oh my gosh, how dare you make money off that? I mean, that's ridiculous. That's how business is supposed to work. You're supposed to be making a profit, right? Hello, right? I mean, but there are just some people who are like, oh my gosh, how dare you? You know, and how much are you making on this? Well, if you want to know, people, if I sell a full membership right now at the current level I'm at, if I sold you a whole family plan of ID Shield and Legal Shield together, I would make a whole $140 on that sale. <gasps> the horror of it all. And you think about it, $140 for one sale. Okay. 
140 bucks. That's a ton of money, right? Oh, is it? Let's say I've spent six hours trying to sell it to you, which is the average it seems to be. You divide six into 140, what do you get? How much money did I just make for an hour of my work? Just saying, it's not a ton of money. Uh, but there's this like stigma and we got to stop that, especially as believers. We got to say, hey, you know what? A laborer is worthy of the wage he earns, right? Now, if you're somebody who's a sloth and you're like this, you can't even, like the Bible says, you can barely bring your, your, your hand up to your mouth to eat. You shouldn't eat. I mean, seriously. Yeah. If you have your own business, you want to make money too. It's not just having jobs. Exactly. Well, you know, Chick-fil-A, you know, Hobby Lobby, McDonald's, all these people make money. Does people say, oh, well, I can't believe you're making a profit on that hamburger. Really? Of course they are. Have you seen how much fast food is these days? It's not cheap, people. They got to pay their staff. They got to pay, you know, everything. And so why do people get all bent out of shape about this? John Maxwell, who is a very popular retired pastor, but business guru, he actually just had a meeting with Darnell Self from Legal Shield, and he, he John Maxwell has a brand new book coming out on direct sales, written to direct sales people, and the industry. And he autographed a copy to Darnell Self from Legal Shield, and did a whole um, what do you call it workshop or whatever it is for the high up executives, because. John Maxwell understands that direct salespeople need a book on leadership and all the other stuff. So it's like, so do you hate John Maxwell now? I mean, he makes profit on the books he sells, just so you know, in case you didn't know that. Just saying. Why am I bringing that up? Because there's this stigma. You know, it's it's just weird. I don't know why it, it bothers me. It just bothers me. But anyway, that's why I wanted to share that with you. <laughs> just... Just to, to give you a, another inside piece, of, like this is legit. And, and for me, here's the thing. I'm trying to build my team. If you want to sell Legal Shield and be on my team, I want you on my team. You know, I don't care how fast you sell it. You know, this is this company is about personal development. And there is an opportunity every single day to develop you personally and teach you how to sell. The top women in this company do Zooms four days a week for us. The top the top women, they know me by name because I'm in all those Zooms, just saying. Um, and uh, and I, I mean, I can't call up Hobby Lobby and say, hey, let me talk to the top female executive at Hobby Lobby. They wouldn't put me through. But at Legal Shield, they will. I'm friends with them on Facebook. You know, they're there mentoring us, showing us how to do this business. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's gold. I have learned so much from these women. I'm like, yeah, I'm taking this in. They tell me something, how to do it better. Do you think I'm writing it down? Yeah, I am. <laughs> and that goes right back to where the Bible says the older women should teach the younger women. That's exactly the biblical model Legal Shield does internally. You know, so um, just for that alone, honestly, it's just worth it. So that was for free. Do you care if they are gay to join your team? <laughs> I don't. I have a Muslim on our team. Or somebody who says they're a Muslim. I don't know if they really are or not, but whatever. I have somebody on my team who's not even a member of Legal Shield yet um, that I help and mentor and make nothing off of, you know. So, I mean, you know, I don't care. That's, that's not what the company is about. In fact, our mission statement is to build a diverse 
theme. In fact, this is our mission to help improve lives with our services and provide women the opportunity and environment to build their belief and confidence, step into their greatness and power, control their lives and create choices and live a purposeful life. That is our mission right there. It's on the back of my card and it's done with a noble cause. I'm not selling some weird potion or cream or vitamin or something like that that is junk. I'm selling a service that will actually protect you when you use it. And I've I've sold, I think, 62 memberships in one year, which tells you something. People need the product, and I can tell you a large part of my members, they all tell me the stories that they've had with the membership, including Mia, who told me she said like 600 bucks on a member perk. Seriously, that pays for her membership for like years. Just that one thing, you know? I mean, hello. So anyway, yeah. I don't, <laughs> anyway, Bareface, do you have anything else you'd like to share? The mentoring people in AR are ready to help me and don't make me anything. Well, yeah, we'll see the people in your Arkansas down, the people that you're networking with in Arkansas, when you sell something, they will not make anything on you. Because you're under me, so I make something. Just like the team I'm on every day. <laughs> I am not in their downline. Still away. And they know it, but they love me. But see, they learn from me too, just like I learn from them. I share stuff with them, and they're like, oh, thanks for sharing that. And a number of them have friended me, and they don't care that I'm not in their downline. Because it ultimately benefits the whole company as a whole. Oh. So. Yep. Yep. All boats rise with the tide, whatever it is. The <laughs> yeah, yep. Chamber I know. of Commerce in Massachusetts or somewhere like that. Yeah, it was, yeah. Gina says market. I know. They reach out to me just to help you, and that's yeah. what that's what the culture of this is, you know. But I, I do. I will tell you though that um, there there are a few people. I'm not going to say who they are, but there are a few people I've talked to that I would not refer people to. Because cause some of their tactics are a little underhanded, in my opinion, and I, I don't feel comfortable with that. So not everybody is, you know, going to gel with you. But if you work with me, I'm going to tell you what you want or what you need or tell you what I think you need, and you can choose. I'm not going to try to pressure you. Um, to answer the question, what is the title about, that we read an article um, over on the Drudge Report. It was linked uh, about... A gay first lady in the 1800s. I guess she was in the eight. Was it the 1800s? Yes. Grover Cleveland's sister, who I guess was his first lady when he was in office. Uh, apparently, there's been uncovered some love letters between her and some other woman. And it is fake homosexual pride month, so that's probably why they put it out. Just so you know. Yep. Yeah, go to the Drudge Report, and you can find it. It's right there on the front page. It's actually titled, A Gay First Lady? Yes, we've already had one, and here are her love letters. Yep, I know. There you have it. Okay. Well, I guess our time's almost up here. So, tomorrow, people, is Free For All Friday. Yeah, it is. Which, it's kind of like today's show. <laughs> So if you want, if you want to, uh, you know, give us a topic or email us something or something and let us, uh, you know, know, um, what you think or whatever, then, um, feel free to do that. Contact us on our social media. Will the real white house wives stand up, please. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah, that's funny. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway. Um, yep. So there you go. That's it, people. So I hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to see the damage done to our tree and how God killed it. It's a sign I'm not sure of what, but anyway, uh, yeah, um, go over to my Instagram page, watch it. It's under Stacy Lynn Harp account. Okay. So remember people be bold, stand up people and go with God because he loves you. Yeah, he does. He loves you even though he kills your tree. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not happy with God for killing my tree. Melanie's saying God didn't kill it. Well, I think God controls the weather, so I'm just saying, I think God did kill it. <laughs> but, you know, I'm a little kind of irritated with God, to be honest, right now. <laughs> his permissive will, but, not his... But I will get over it. Satan killed it. Yeah, well, I don't know if he did or not. Well, I guess he does come to kill, steal, and destroy. Okay, so Satan killed our tree. <sighs> But God allowed it, so Satan Satan answers to God, so ultimately God let it happen. So, and in the insurance it says an act of God, not Satan. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so all right, good you night, guys. Stacey. Good night, people. Hope you have a good night.